Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Arctic Monkeys' last two albums to me as their first two albums. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. That's two episodes in a row now where the Arctics have had a shout-out on this show, and they've certainly been all over my social media in the past couple of days. Justin, how are we? Yeah, very good. It's a good like time of year, because obviously Glastonbury's booming, and it's, it's always nice just to sink a cider and listen to music for the whole day while in your living room not doing anything else or at Glastonbury but it's a good time yeah and that makes me happy how are you Ryan I'm going to ask you how, how you are uh, I'm good I've just got a new puppy um, yeah. which has been ruling my life and um, causing terror everywhere I go by either not shutting up or purring everywhere um, but he's named Derek named after former Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday defender Derek Geary um, yeah. But yeah, he's he's a delight when he's not being a little nightmare. Um, he's absolutely adorable, bless his heart. And mum's doing well as well after giving birth. So yeah, it's uh, it's all going really well. Being a new dad, Justin, I'm 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 proud of you because this is a this is a major milestone in, in responsibility for you, Ryan. And it, and it, and it's a good thing for you. I think maybe now you've got a puppy, it might soften you up so Blackburn Rovers fans can can look forward to some positivity from you this season. <laughs> Maybe, but I think I use up all my positivity on the dog. Um, and when I'm trying to write down notes on, you know, former championship players, which we'll get onto very shortly, and I've got a dog nipping at my calves, oh, it's, uh, it's not the best situation to be in. And I slowly lose my rag ever so slowly. But then I look into his little eyes and it just brings me back down to earth. Um, but anyway, welcome to the Newborn Championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are today. We're doing an episode which I've been wanting to do for a long, long time. It's the second tier's top 20 championship players ever and now I'm always seeing people say oh he's one of the greatest players ever at championship level he's uh, he's the goat and what have you well let's hear what the experts have to say shall we so first of all we've made this list the same way Justin and I make all our lists he makes his top 20 I make my top 20 and then we merge them together we're basing our rankings off four things the quality of the player their consistency over numerous seasons, achievements in the second tier, and and this is possibly the most important one, their legacy. That is an important one because obviously it's difficult to compare someone who had one amazing season in the championship compared to multiple great seasons. And legacy means those players who weren't in the championship for long have more of a fight in this list. And it also means we can book players wherever we want because it's completely immeasurable, Justin. <laughs> 
Yeah, that, I think that's the key thing that um, is really important. Obviously, there are players over the years who have had absolutely unreal years. Unbelievable. Um, and that, that, that may trump them ahead of others. Um, and, and this is going to be a contentious list because there's going to be some names that are going to miss out. There's going to be some names that I that I put in there that that aren't in there, for example. And we can we can debate this as we go along. But it is it is a bit of fun, and I think it's um, yeah, it's, it's a nice throwback as well, a nice throwback episode because we get to ooze over all of the uh, all of the top quality players we've worshipped over the last I don't know twenty odd years. Of course, yeah, and also it is worth mentioning that we're basing this on since the championship was rebranded to the championship in 2004. I cannot remember anything previous to that. So we're doing the purely championship here and not the old division one. So in this episode, we'll be going through numbers 20 to 11. This is part one. Next Sunday in part two, we'll reveal our top 10. So without further ado, Justin, who have we got in number 20? It's the the man, I say the man, the myth legend. He's not, he's not a myth. He's just a legend. It's Paddy Kenny. The Neil Warnock specialist, a disciple, um, an all-round great character. It's Paddy Kenny, and arguably one of the best goalkeepers to ever grace second-tier level. Unbelievable consistency over the years. And actually looking into his numbers a little bit deeper, it's actually incredible just how good he was. Now, it's quite difficult to drill into the actual save stats like we do now back then. But we can can really um, understand just how good he was because of how often... He was picked by Neil Warnock himself, the, the the greatest manager of all time in the championship. But 105 clean sheets in 313 games in the championship just speaks for itself. It's an astonishing record. And his longevity is, is equally as impressive. And if you take away the Sheffield United tenure, QPR, he was incredible. That that season they went up as, as champions in 2010-2011, kept 24 clean sheets that year. 24 clean sheets. That is Crazy. disgusting. So yeah, it's Paddy Keddy and... Less, less, yeah, we, we need to point it out. He was at the centre of one of the biggest, most memorable battles in Championship history. Kevin Muscat. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm not sure what that has to do with how good a Championship <laughs> player he was, but I'll, I'll, I'll take it anyway. The, the, you were just mentioning his clean sheet stats, Justin. He's got a clean sheet every 2.8 games, which is a pretty insane tally for someone who played 364 games in the second tier. And, you know, Neil Warnock is the most successful manager in championship history. There's a reason why he took Paddy Kenny with him everywhere he went. Kenny's got two promotions under his belt, but he's got a lasting legacy, hasn't he? And that is mainly because, and I mean this with no disrespect, he doesn't look like a professional footballer. I think even he'll acknowledge that. He looks like someone you see regularly in the pub over at the pool table. Perhaps it's because he started (laughs) off in fairly humble circumstances. I mean, he was working as an engineer at the age of 20 while playing non-league football before making the step up to the Football League. And then there's also, of course, his size. He got plenty of ridicule for his size over the years, didn't he, from opposition supporters. However, you'd be lying or just plain ignorant if you denied his ability between the sticks because he was like a brick wall, wasn't he? When he was at Sheffield United, Neil Warnock said of him, Paddy is one of the best signings I've ever made. I think he's one of the best goalkeepers in the game. I wouldn't, I wouldn't swap him for David James, Chris Kirkland, Paul Robinson, David Seaman. 
The first thing I did was put him on a diet. He was eating burgers, pizzas and chips. And that was in the same day. Look at the shape of him. He's the sort of player people don't pay much attention to, but he's one of the first names on the team sheet because he's so reliable. And that sums him up, really, doesn't it? Ever reliable. Perhaps if he was a bit more fashionable, he would have had more of a look in at Premier League level and perhaps even England. Uh, well, he got capped by Ireland, didn't he, as well? Um, yeah, so he, he did. He had, he had, he had a taste. I get what you mean, but he had a taste of international football, which probably not enough. For you. There's quite a few players in this list where I've gone through and their international caps are worryingly low um, for the quality of the players that they were. And this is for all the home nations. But yeah, Paddy Kenny, I, I remember um, obviously growing up in the mid-2000s. That Sheffield United team was incredible. I and mean, it was built on solid foundations. Obviously, it's very difficult to get the safe stats back then. But just that reliability, that, that you know, Neil Warnock's you know, preference of leaning on him, that goes a long way in, in, in understanding a professional footballer. Spent such a long time at Sheffield United and then went again and did it again with QPR. And obviously he thwarted, I know this isn't championship, but he thwarted Man City in that game where they won the title last minute. And again, that's just a, a nice highlight of his quality. And he, he got to have that moment, which is, which is superb as well. But yeah, what a keeper, what a keeper, what a character as well. Great character. Absolutely. And he follows us on Twitter, which is always a big bonus <laughs> in our view. Um, 19th place, we have Charlie Austin. Now, when you talk about players starting off in non-league and going on to play at the highest level, people usually think of Jamie Vardy. That's completely understandable. But Charlie Austin's career is incredible in its own right. He was released by Reading at the age of 15 for being too small. We'll point out he's six foot two. So I don't know how tall he was then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how tall he was then or what the Reading standard of height is, but that seems completely stupid. Anyway, he was knocking around non-league, ended up going to Pool Town in the ninth tier of English football, where he scored 64 goals in 57 games. He was then spotted by Swindon, where the goals didn't stop, and he quickly became the hottest property outside of the top two tiers of football, didn't he? Came to the championship when he signed for Burnley in 2011. And for the next few years was simply one of the the most feared goal scorers in the division for them and QPR. And from the start of 2011, 2012 season till the end of 2015, he scored 68 goals in 125 games and even had one season in the Premier League with QPR where he scored 18 goals, which for, for a player to have come from where he was to score 18 goals in a Premier League season is ridiculous, really. Surprisingly, never won top goal scorer in a championship season, but in the early 2010s, he was just a bagsman, wasn't he? Well, we had that period in the early, 20, in the early 2010s from about 2010 to about 2016 where there was just an abundance of goal scorers and I guess Charlie Austin he got lost in the crowd but his, his consistency is, is, is incredible it's worth pointing out as well yeah, he suffered a lot with shoulder problems so he missed quite a few games as well um, so that, that that record he's got now could have been you know, even, even better had he not suffered issues and I, I'm right in saying I think I'm right in saying as well he was called up for England um, but he had to pull out because of injury it was that same period where Jamie Vardy was called up and obviously Jamie Vardy became you know, an international star for England over the next couple of years. But Charlie Austin, it never materialised and obviously an injury problems mounted up for Southampton. But at championship level, there's an incredible incredible goal scorer there. Even coming back to QPR a couple of seasons ago, played a key role in, in 
well, pushing them further up the table to gather that momentum for for the pre- well, last season, um, not the season just gone, but the season before that, for them to to, to mount a, a top half challenge should have been a playoff challenge, but it wasn't the case. But again, just that ability to score goals. He was a great penalty box striker, an incredible penalty penalty box striker. And again, size wise, although he's six foot two, he's not he's not massive as stock. He's not blessed with pace either. But his ability to get in the right area at the right time, his ability to dominate in the air when he needs to, um, judge crosses, it's just uh, everyone around him is the perfect player to have. Um, because you know if you put the ball in the box, he's going to be in the right place. So yeah, what a, what a player, what a goal scorer. He's, he's, he's one that, again, going going back years, you just wanted to have in your team back when he was at Swindon. And Burnley got Burnley got very lucky in getting him because they weren't doing anything at the time. They weren't. Um, they weren't pushing on, um, but they, they they managed to secure a signature and did very well out of it for a couple of seasons. Yeah, they really, really did. And he might be even higher on this list if it wasn't for his spells in the Championship later in his career. He went to West Brom, returned to QPR. I wouldn't say either of those were successful. Played a part at QPR in one season, didn't he? But there's no denying he was a brilliant striker back in the day. There's no doubt about that. Who have we got 18th, Justin? We've got Kieran Trippier. Kieran Trippier or Kieran Trippier, depending on where where in the country you're from. But again, I, I think it's really unfair that the championship just isn't widely acknowledged in his career often enough. And it's probably unfair that he's not gone on to win as, as, as many titles as he should have because he's one of England's best best fullbacks at the moment. But the, th- the three seasons he had with Burnley and obviously the season he had with, with Barnsley on loan as well, just an unreal footballer. Like We, we get very, very lucky in the championship to get young players come through, but it's very hard to tell what they're going to do later on in their career. And Kieran Trippier has gone on to have a brilliant career, but the signs were there that Kieran Trippier was going to become just this world-class fullback. He was exceptional for, for Burnley, as I say, when two well, was featured in two consecutive PFA team of the seasons. It was absurdly consistent. He had 174 appearances, he got 34 assists in his yeah. time in the championship, which is just absolutely bonkers just let that stat settle in as a fullback that many assists is just ridiculous it's, it shouldn't be well shouldn't, shouldn't be should be real but it is it's, it's a great stat and it's a testament to how good on the ball he was as well uh, and he was part of some really solid defences for Burnley and that needs to be pointed out really good solid fullback really good attacker as well yeah I think many people or many football supporters actually forget that Kieran Trippier ever played in the championship, but for four seasons, he was the best right back in the division, hands down, wasn't he? In 2011, he won Barnsley's Player of the Year, then went to Burnley, where he won their Player of the Year. Quite impressive for a right back to win, you know, Player of the Year, but there you go. And then, as you say, in the following two seasons, he was named in the PFA Championship Team of the Season. In the 2013 14 season, when Burnley won promotion, he picked up 14 assists. From right back in a single season, which is just a mind-blowing tally, isn't it? So he was exactly the same player back then that he is now. Brilliant defensively, but also this remarkable crosser of a football. And he's gone on to be one of the most successful former championship players of all time. And probably the most successful on this list, actually. Because you look at most of the other players, they either just never got the chance or failed to perform at the top level. Kieran Trippier... 
did both, didn't he? Just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. And it's no surprise, really, that he's gone on to be the player that he has been. Uh, 17th place, we have Jordan Rhodes. Now, I had to do a bit of convincing with you, Justin, for Jordan Rhodes to be included on this mm. list. Why was that? He had three really good years in the Championship. We can't mistake that. His years at Blackburn was just... The amount of goals he scored was was madness. And how good he was at finishing was was incredible. And then he went to obviously went to Middlesbrough, scored six and eighteen, which is a good which is a good record. I think he scored sixteen that season in total. Um but for some reason I don't know if it was injuries or what, his career just tailed off of that. And he had, as I say, three and a half good years in the championship compared to six quite poor years. He scored he scored twenty three goals in the last six years. So for me that really does outweigh the four good years he had. It was a very good four years, but it's also been a very bad six years since then. I like him, I, I you know, and if I'm going to reminisce about incredible championship strikers, I'm going to put Jordan Rhodes in there. But if we, you know, I think he falls into a similar category of, of Chris Martin, for example, whereby very good few years, very poor few years, I just can't squeeze him into my team of the year. But he's here, and I say that three years, those three years he had at Blackburn before he moved to Middlesbrough was, yeah, bonkers, bonkers numbers. You said team. You said team of the year. I think you meant top twenty players. Top ever. twenty. Yeah, yeah. Top yeah, twenty players. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering what, what you meant by that. Um, yeah, I, I get what you mean. I, I think there is certainly an argument to be made with that because I wonder if there's a generation of football fan listening to this who just has no idea how good Jordan Rhodes once was. Understandably, if you look at him now or since 2016, really, you're thinking. So what? Why are you talking about this guy? Why is he included in this list? Since the summer of 2016, his best goal tally in a season is seven, which is quite remarkable when you remember how much of a goal scorer he was prior to that. And in three and a half seasons for Blackburn, he scored 83 goals in 159 games. I think he's the only player in championship history to score 20 plus goals in three consecutive seasons. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but... And having done a bit of research, I'm pretty sure he is. Amazingly, he's also never been top goal scorer in a season. That's despite <laughs> posting tallies of 27 and 25 in individual seasons. But there's no denying it. For three or four seasons, he was frightening, wasn't he? And the thing is as well, he wasn't a target man. He didn't have loads of pace. He didn't really get involved in the build-up play. He just scored goals and... There wasn't anyone better at doing that at this level in that period at all, was there? He was yeah. just a pure goal scorer. Well, that's why it was, it was strange that he wasn't picked up by a Premier League club. Middlesbrough got, I say Middlesbrough got very lucky in, in signing him for the fee they did. It was a big fee, I think, in the region of 12 to 14 million. But it was just, yeah, a strange one that Premier League club didn't come in from at that time because... I think by the time that he left Rovers in the season that he joined Middlesbrough in January, he had 10 and 18 or something something mad, um, something very efficient. So it just goes to show that he's, he's, he was a good goal scorer. I suppose it's quite fitting that we're talking about Arctic Monkeys at the start of the show in that they were their early stuff was incredible. Like Jordan Rhodes, his early years was incredible. And in the last few years, it's just waned a little bit, maybe a little bit <laughs> tired. And, and perhaps it's a, it's, a, it's a reset that Jordan Rhodes needs in a, in a different league, just like Arctic Monkeys need a, maybe a little bit of a creative reset. I don't know. Yeah, their first album is Jordan Rhodes at Huddersfield. Second album is Jordan Rhodes at Blackburn. Um, 
I suppose you're fourth, discounting AM then, aren't you? Well, if you it's a fourth and fifth albums that get a bit that get a bit shaky, which is pretty much I think the last four years of Jordan Rose's career. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. There's there's kind of a comparison there, but that would be discounting uh, AM, which is a brilliant album. Um, but it is quite obvious to say he would be higher in this list if his form just didn't drop off a cliff, isn't it? He, mm. No idea why it's happened. I don't think we've ever seen a drop-off like it, really. But if he just had those three and a half seasons, then he would possibly be, be near the top end of this list. And... Maybe if his career had gone in a different trajectory, he'd be possibly top. Who knows? 16th place, Justin, we have Tom Ince. Now, you can take the lead on this one because I was so surprised to see Tom Ince so high in your list. I didn't have him anywhere near as high as you did. So why did you have him as high? So, <clears throat> firstly, he's the son of one of the greatest scouts in the in the game. Um, Tom Ince's mum, as we know, was was commissioned by Derby <laughs> County to uh, <laughs> for scouting reports. Um, it has no bearing on this list, but I just wanted to coin that in because it's a really interesting fact about him. Um, Tom Ince, I actually, looking at this list now, I, I, I felt that we might be underrating him a little bit. Uh, he maybe could have been a little bit higher. 91 goals in 365 games, 59 assists. He averages a goal contribution every 2.4 games. And to do that over 12 years with a season in the Premier League with Huddersfield, so 11 years really, come on, those numbers are absolutely absurd. And let's not forget how how well, how sought after he was when he was at Blackpool as well. That season he had at Blackpool, the 12-13 season. It's outstanding for him. 18 goals as an attacking midfielder is just a ridiculous number. When we when we talk about numbers that, that are posted by forwards, to be able to do hit double figures as consistently as Tom Ince has done over the years, really it's just, again, I don't think we rate him enough. And I, for some reason he's, he's widely disliked by the football community, gets a lot of stick by away supporters. Might be because of his dad, I don't know, but but uh, you know, as, as far as underrating a footballer, Tom Ince, I think he sits in that category, and I think we're doing that to him on this episode. I think you're doing that to him as well. Again, you're just talking about numbers, incredible. You could take free kicks, set pieces. He was very, very efficient. His dribbling ability was amongst the best for for a number of years. I know his career waned at Stoke a little bit. I mean, who didn't? Come on, that three years he was at Stoke, who didn't falter? <laughs> at the club and then he's recovered his career at Reading and, and I think he's getting interested in him now we've seen him linked with moves to various clubs for a very low um, a very low release cause, clause and I think that's down to his ability he scored nine goals for Reading in a, in a struggling Reading team who you know Paul Lynch didn't like his team attacking so for Tom Ince to score nine goals I think is a very good feat um, and that's pretty much all I've got to say about uh, about Tom Ince I think if you've if you've supported a club that's had him apart from Stoke fans you will appreciate him. If you don't, you'll probably dislike him. Mm, I'm not sure the numerous clubs he's been on loan at as well will uh, agree with that count. statement. <laughs> but yeah, when you ask people about Tom Ince, well, you ask people who don't pay much attention to the championship, you ask them about Tom Ince. I can almost guarantee they'll bring up the whole Inter Milan thing. But there is a reason why he was being linked with them in the first place, because he was unplayable. At Blackpool, wasn't he? 18 goals in 2012-13 as a 21-year-old. That was like as a second striker and defenders just could not get near him. And then he made that move to Hull, which didn't work. Went on a couple of loan moves. They didn't work. It looked as if the spark from earlier in his career was fizzling out already. But then he went to Derby where he refound his form and he was brilliant on that right-hand side, wasn't he? 
Unfortunately, since leaving Derby, he's never been the same player. His best season at the time has been while playing under his dad at Reading, which I don't think is a coincidence. His drop-off is comparable to Jordan Rhodes, I'm afraid. So it is isn't. Why are you pulling that face, Justin? I don't think it is. But I mean, Tom Ince has recovered his career at Reading, I think, over the last two he's seasons. He's had one season. Two, do I? Eight, one and a half then. Because again, he was a key part in keeping That's Reading stretch. up. I'd say half season. of last season. Hmm. Now, again, it is a debatable topic, but I do think um, comparing him to Jordan Rhodes is is quite a significant one. What Tom? What Tom Ince were you looking at last season? Because for the first half of last season with Reading, fair enough, he he was looking like he was getting back to the same player. Second half of the season, very mere, and then his first half of a season at Reading, also quite mere. Uh, well, I mean, he suffered with injuries. That's one thing that you need to point out for last season. But again, we're talking about one of the key reasons as to why Reading probably went down last season is because the absence of Tom Ince in that final third for the final couple of months, or well, consistent consistency in terms of playing games. Um, yeah, his absence from the team in the last in the last few few weeks of that season. So, yeah, look, I I, I think Tom Ince probably should be higher. But again, I think he's one of those that just splits opinions and. That's always going to be the case with Tom Ince because he's never. I think it's because he's never been able to make that step up into um, into the Premier League because he's again he sits in that category, the Rob Burnshaw category of being too good for the Championship and not good enough for the Premier League. Yeah, but his days of being too good in the Championship are quite a distance away. Yeah, so that, I don't disagree with that's, that. That's the point I'm making. Um, it is interesting to think actually what would have happened in an alternative universe where he did move to Inter Milan or some other big club and became the player we all thought he would as a young lad because he could have been some player, couldn't he? Unfortunately, it's just not been the case. Let's do one more, Justin, before we have a quick break. 15 is Ivan Tony. A controversial one here on the second tier, and not because of his gambling habits, but because I had Mr. Tony much higher in my list than Justin Peach, who didn't particularly want him included. Now, Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm basing this off when he was playing in the championship as well. I've always had the sense you're a bit of an Ivan Tony sceptic. Am I right? Mm. Um, no, not a sceptic. I mean, what he's done in the Premier League last two seasons, he's, he's incredible. Um but I do think he was very fortunate at Brentford. Now, goals-wise, numbers-wise, very, very good numbers. But a lot of his goals were tappings. A lot of his goals were penalties in the season that he hit 31. That's so, not an argument for me, Justin. You've got to be no, in the no, right no. place to score those goals. Yeah, yeah. And if it was that easy as you're making it out to be, then, you know you'd be having loads of other strikers scoring loads of goals, but you've got to be in the right place. And Ivan Tony's just got that instinct. And the penalties thing is just absolute nonsense as well. I hate that argument. If the score's one all, and then Ivan Tony scores a penalty, and it's that's the last goal of the game, who wins? Yeah, but it's a free shot on goal. Ivan Tony's team it- wins. <laughs> so therefore, a penalty goal is just as important as another goal. It's, it's not, nonsense for me. We're not talking about the importance of goals. It's a free shot on goal, uh, and again, the quality of his is 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 goals. Is you've got to you know think about how him being in the right place at the right time is 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 absolutely fair enough. But for him to be ahead of someone like Glenn Murray, for example, it may might be a little bit harsh. He had one really good season in the Championship, and if we're talking about legacy, that was eclipsed a season later by by someone who we'll probably talk about in a, in in the next episode. But uh, for me, I just think. Because of the season he had at Brentford, I mean, they didn't even go up automatically, so you can't even say 
Um, you know, he was part of one of the best teams in championship history. You can't even say that. Um, it's just a sketchy one for me. It's, it's a hard one to, to put him in ahead of others. And again, if we're talking about Jordan Rhodes, who had three three years posting numbers, not quite like Ivan Tony's, but to score 25, 27, etc. are a couple of years for him, you know, for Tony to be ahead of someone like Jordan Rhodes, for example, is, is yeah. I don't know, it's it's a hard one to, to justify. Yeah, a very Ivan Tony sceptical man sat right in front of me. <laughs> Well, before Alexander Mitrovic came along and took the piss with scoring goals in the in the second tier, Ivan Tony did do something very remarkable, despite what Justin Peach says, in breaking the record for the most goals in the championship season. 31 goals for Brentford in their promotion three seasons ago, which was a championship record up until that point. In that season, he was just a machine, an apex predator in the penalty box. But... He wasn't just this striker who was getting on the end of chances, which I think you've forgotten about here, Justin. He got 10 assists as well that season. He was contributing to the build-up play. He was winning headers. He was stretching defences. He was just this brilliant all-round striker. And, I mean, anyone who gets 40-plus goal contributions in a season is automatically deserving of a place on this list in my book. And in terms of legacy as well, he's shown that season wasn't just a fluke with what he's done since then in the Premier League, continuing to score goals. But he's also a great example of what players can achieve if they leave a big club and cut their teeth in the Football League. He did that by leaving Newcastle, going to Peterborough, and then in a matter of a few seasons, he's now an England striker when he's not banned, of course. But you, you look at his legacy and just that brilliant season that he had plus you know where he's come from to where he is now he's definitely deserving of being on this list in my view yeah as I say I I just struggle at all I'm thinking about of Ivan Tony is Mitrovic <laughs> which is which is uh, again if you're talking about greatest players in the championship of all time when your first thought is the striker who broke his record literally nine months later yeah, it doesn't doesn't really scream legacy. I, I I'm not going to trump his ability. I think he's a top. I think he's an incredible forward. He did score um, more goals than any other player in a season on this list, Justin, apart from Alexander Mitrovic. Uh, yeah, again, that's that's fine. But Dom Solanke scored thirty this season. That Mitrovic scored forty two. And I know it's not beating um, beating Tony's record, but it was on didn't Scott get Parker assist either, did it? No, he didn't. But what I'm trying to say is. Yeah, if we're talking about his his goal con well, his goals, his goal his goal scoring record, um I, I it's hard to justify putting him ahead of. Again, Glenn Murray got thirty, he ended that season with an ACL injury. The season he, he would have he probably would have scored more if it wasn't for that for that injury. No, he did that in the playoffs actually, so that's incorrect. But what again what I'm saying is <laughs> to put it in for one season alone it's just incredibly difficult. And I get the the assist thing, but he was part of a very talented attack along with Saeed Ben Rama and um, Sergi Canos and Brian Embuemo he, was, he wasn't with Ben Rama that season was Ben Rama sold? no Ben Rama went in the summer uh, well Embuemo nonetheless seems like, it was... seems like the argument is massively <laughs> fizzling out here no it's uh, there'll, there'll be quite a few people who maybe agree with me but I'm not a sceptic but especially in the championship and to call him one of the greatest players of all time in championship probably unfair to others who have posted Similar records to him. 
you really grasping at straws here, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Just then, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll go through 14 to 11 in our countdown of the greatest championship players ever. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. We are counting down the top 20 championship players of all time. And we've just gone from 20 to 15. So let's go from 14 to 11. And we'll start off with Graham Alexander, Justin. Now you are flying the flag for Alexander to be included on this list. So you could take lead on this one, JP. Do I have... This is non-started. Graham Alexander, when you're talking about greatest championship players of all time... He should be flying the flag. Not only does he look like an absolute warrior, so flying the flag, you know, in front of a battle makes sense. But again, we're talking about we're talking about a player who played into his forties at championship level, a Premier League level, in fact, I think, um, with well, one season that is. But he's a he's a hero of mine. Whenever I whenever I have you know good memories or or bit. Preston beating Derby um, numerous times for playoff hunts. Um, Graham Alexander com- comes into it. He's just an absurdly solid defender. Consistency was one of them. Played in one of the best teams, I think, to never win promotion at Preston under Billy Davis. They were incredible. Um, and he was part of the best ever championship defence in, in 05 or 06. But that's not even scratching the surface with Graham Alexander. He won three team of the... Well, I say he won three team of the... He, he featured in three team of the years in the championship, which is... Uh, I, I think he better Kieran Trippier when we're talking about fullbacks getting into it. Um, and again, I know this predate probably predates the the cut off for for the championship because one of them did feature I think in o two o three or o three o four. But nonetheless, to be able to do that over the course of several years, like Alexander did, was just ridiculous. He won promotion with Burnley as well, and as I say, that was as a uh, right. I think I'm right in saying it's in his late thirties. An incredible player, and I'm not even mentioning the penalties. I think he missed one penalty in his career. He was just absolutely superb. He had this weird technique where he would do a straight run-up and it would either be on the outside of his foot or on the inside of his foot, depending on where it went. Uh, I can't I can't speak highly enough of Graham Alexander. He's a leader, he's a quality, quality fullback, and just just love the man and yeah, wish he hope he gets his chance as a manager in the championship because he deserves it. He was just an exceptional pro, Monty. And this is a bit of a mind-blowing stat, Justin. He made his debut in 1991 (laughs) and made his Premier League debut in 2009. But another mind-blowing stat is, and this this blew my tits when I saw this, between 1991 and 2011, he didn't have a single season where he played fewer than 30 league games. That is... Just remarkable, isn't it? There isn't another player in the history of the championship who has defined consistency more than him. It says a lot about how professional he was and how much he looked after his body that he was arguably playing his best football in his late 30s after his move to Burnley. But prior to that, he was included twice in the PFA Championship team of the season with Preston. He's a legend at both clubs, Inti, which I think says a lot about the man. It's a shame, really, that he only managed one promotion and one season in the Premier League because he deserved more, didn't he? Just a mm. top bloke and just a, a top player as well. 58 career goals from right back, by the way. 
I know a lot of them are penalties, and we fall into the Ivan Tony category here of scoring a lot of penalty say, goals. But let's not start that again. <laughs> but for a right back to be able to do that and post that many that many goals is um, is pretty bonkers, really. Four hundred seventeen appearances as well, Championship level. Just longevity and consistency is, is great. And again, you go back to um, probably from from oh three oh four to maybe oh seven oh eight. Preston were, were very good in those years, very, very good. And I'd say one of the best teams in turn ever win promotion. Key part in that team. And yeah, just what a hero. What a guy. Yeah, he, he's missed a championship almost, I think, as well. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, did he also score with virtually his last kick of his professional career as well? I think he came on for Preston as a sub in his last ever game, took a free kick and scored it. I think that's what happened. My my memory may be playing tricks on me, but, you know, just remarkable. It's a truly remarkable career. 13th place is Wes Houlihan, or Wessie, as he's known to Norwich fans. Now, if there's anyone out there who is not familiar with Wes Houlihan's work, I recommend watching a YouTube compilation or two because he was a delightful player to watch because he was so silky, wasn't he? He was like the championship version of Iniesta. He had this beautiful first touch, sometimes felt like the ball was glued to his foot and then creativity-wise was just out of this world. I had the pleasure of watching him in the flesh regularly in the 2016 17 season which bizarrely may have been his best season in a Norwich shirt despite being 33 34 at that point but he was just an incredible player over a number of years was involved in two promotions to the Premier League in a Norwich shirt sometimes you just watch a player and you can see in terms of technical ability he's by far and away the best player on the on the pitch, he he may have lacked the physical ability to be a top level player, but in terms of technical ability, he was top half Premier League as far as I'm concerned. He's probably one of those players that didn't get wider recognition until he retired, um, which is a yeah. massive shame. And obviously, he came out of retirement to play for Cambridge and got promoted with Cambridge, which is which is absolutely incredible. And had a new head of hair as well, which just made him stand out even more. But yeah, a human highlight reel, if you're going to throw a cliche at him. Um, his ability to dribble through challenges. He's played in the Premier League, Championship League one with Norwich, which again is is great uh, longevity and consistency to be able to do that. A very difficult thing to do, and that needs to be pointed out. But again, as I say, I think because he, because he played for Norwich for such a long time and didn't really cut his teeth at any other club he doesn't get the recognition he probably deserves and it's it's probably a tad unfair and maybe numbers wise he doesn't quite um doesn't quite post a similar amount to, to someone like Tom Ince for example but the importance of Wes Houlihan in that in that Norwich team from I guess 2000 and uh, 2011 to 2015 16 was 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 massive was massive and again it goes under underappreciated he played a key role in, in 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 those teams getting promoted to the premier league and yeah just just if you're looking at technical quality i don't think there's many players better in this top 20 than Wes Houlihan, which is quite a statement by the way because there are quite a few that feature that you'll go wow these are players but Wes Houlihan again what a player yeah there's a couple of players who possibly top him in terms of technical ability but you are right there aren't there aren't many and um, maybe he would be appreciated more from outside of Norfolk if he scored a few more goals because he wasn't really a goal scorer was he I think he had 10 he had one season with Norwich where he scored double figures apart from that I think that was it so 
maybe he would have got appreciated more. But, you know, you look at what he did create, creativity-wise. He was just astonishing, Monty. A truly brilliant player. 12th place, we have Tom Kearney, Justin. Now, easy to forget that once upon a time, Fulham were a struggling championship club, weren't they? In, in the mid-2010s, they had a huge budget. Looked like they could get relegated from the championship because they were really floundering. But they've turned it around. And one of the key reasons for that was the signing of Tom Kearney. Three million pounds, in hindsight, looks like unbelievable business, doesn't it? Because he is essentially Mr. Fulham now. Three promotions with them. has been their captain now for many years. But it was around 2017 where he was just insanely good. The best player in the championship for me at the time. Whether it was as a number 10, a number 8, or maybe even playing a bit deeper, he was just the best player on the park pretty much every week, creating chances, scoring goals, running at defenders. He was just unbelievable. And, you know, he wasn't as influential in the other two promotions for Fulham, but still played a massive, massive part in that. And even before his time at Fulham, he was at Hull and Blackburn. And at the latter, he was phenomenal. Once he won that player of the season in his first season and was influential in the second when Blackburn had a really good team so just an excellent player wasn't he or still yeah, is he, in fact yeah he's a player that I nearly forgot about and I would have kicked myself incredibly hard if I if I did I had to revisit my list after posting to you to to to, to shoo him in um and I think the reason why that is because he's he's such a again another player that's probably really underrated um but also perhaps undervalued in in the importance of of Fulham's success over the last few years, um, three promotions with Fulham. I think that that is an incredible feat. Free, free as captain, scored the winner in the playoff final against Aston Villa with a beautiful goal. Um, that coming coming onto it on the angle, he was again time running out. Eighty fourth minute, I think it was. Um, yeah, the composure to do that at that time in the game um, was was astonishing, really. But his ability to create chances as consistently as he has for Fulham, well, for Fulham and Blackburn, is 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 incredible. He's pretty much averaged over two key passes or so, two or create two big chances per game at second tier level since 2013-14 when he was with Blackburn. And again, we're talking about longevity and consistency. Kearney was there. It's just a shame that the teams weren't quite up to standard, his standard at Fulham until later on in in the 2010s. And now we're seeing the success he's, he's have. He's having. He's an incredibly gifted midfielder, and, and one that remains an important cog at Craven Cottage. Although he's not starting as many games as he, as he would have done a few years ago. He's thirty-two years old, by the way, which blew my mind because he still looks twenty-five. So whatever fountain of youth he's drinking from, I desperately, desperately need to to do the same because age is not being kind to me as it is to Tom Kearney. I'm, I'm three years off him, and I look ten years older. Drop your skincare routine, Tom. Do it, please. <laughs> Final one of this episode, Justin. Number 11, who have we got? We've got Kevin Phillips, and he's probably pissed you off at some point in your, in your supporting career as a fan because he's probably scored against you. But again, when we're talking about longevity, similar to Graham Alexander, Kevin Phillips was still doing it at 40 years old. It's just bonkers. Again, it was a, it was a big narrative 10 years ago when he was still playing at how old he was and how how, how he was still scoring goals. So it's quite easy to forget just how good he was later on in his career. He should have been past his peak at 35. It's natural for footballers, strikers to be to to degrade, I guess, 
when once they hit thirty, but Kevin Phillips seemed to seemed to hit a new level. Um, and he was part of some very successful teams post thirty: West Brom, Birmingham City, um, won promotion with Blackpool and Crystal Palace. And again, when you're talking about numbers and goals, seventy goals in 187 Championship games, and obviously that's that's going back to um, before the Championship was rebranded. This is this is late nineties um, as well for Sunderland. So just an absurdly consistent man, just an absurdly consistent goal scorer. Re reshaped how he played as well later on in his career, which obviously I think helped him extend his his career by an extra few years. Um, and as I say, he's, he's probably pissed you off at some point. One of the most feared strikers, I think, in the championship, and one of the most one of those forwards that you you desperately wanted to have in your team, but it was just nowhere. It was not going to happen, especially with the budgets that of the teams he played for. Just to save you from any Twitter abuse, he didn't get promoted with Blackpool. He's, but it's, it's easy to forget. Got to the playoff final with them. That's yeah. Yes, that that that's correct. Um, the thing is with Kevin Phillips, I think of him as more of a Premier League player which perhaps prevented him from being higher on this list because when you look at what he's done at championship level I mean what what a striker his he was his record when the championship was the old first division is pretty crazy in itself but his championship career didn't actually get started until he was 33 but he is still well deserving of being on this list despite that four promotions in six years which might be the most ever for a player. I don't think there's anyone who has a record like that. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't think of anyone else who has four promotions, um, especially in that short amount of time. But he was kind of like a gun for hire, wasn't he? Just getting picked up by anyone looking to get promoted, scoring some important goals, getting them up and then moving to someone else in the championship. In his first four championship seasons, he scored 68 goals. Wow. I mean, he scored all types of goals as well. Right foot, left foot, outside of the box. Loads of headers, despite being five foot seven. <laughs> um, but he was just a pure goal scorer, wasn't he? He played such a key part in the promotions of West Brom, Birmingham. Scored the penalty in the playoff final for Palace. And, you know, was an experienced head when he was at Leicester as well, when they got promoted. But there is a reason why his full name is Super Kevin Phillips. Because he is just... Such a hero at so many clubs, and you'd be you'd have to do some searching around to find a player who is so beloved at so many different clubs as Kevin Phillips is, because he's just someone who's played such a big part in the history of so many clubs, isn't he? Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at the numbers he's posted um in the championship for West Brom. The 06 07 season, that West Brom team was ridiculous. They the amount of quality attackers they had in that team Diamante Kamara Nathan Ellington um, and Kevin Phillips still managed to score 22, 22 goals and 43 appearances that season in all, in all comps and then you go to Birmingham again 08-09 in the championship season they went up scored 14 in, in, in 38 and again he, he must be about 36-37 at this point and then you go to that 11-12 season at Blackpool 16 in 38 uh, championship appearances again late late 30s and then the season he won promotion with Crystal Palace, scored seven in sixteen in all competitions again. Obviously scored the decisive penalty in the playoff final. For a for a player to do this later on in his career is is just ridiculous. And we're not even talking extensively about how a, how good a goal scorer he was before the the championship rebranded in two thousand four. He still scored goals then for Watford uh, and Sunderland. Um, 
I don't think we'll see a player like him in that they peak later on in in, in, their, in their career. And when we say later on in the career, we're saying post 35. It's just, it doesn't happen. Uh, and so for Phillips to be able to do that is a testament to him. And to do it in the championship where the schedules are so, so tough and difficult, a lot of games to be played is, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty special, and again, probably probably should have been higher than this if it wasn't for your Premier League anti bias. I mean, I do have a bias against the Premier League, so I always view the Championship as the best league in the world. But I just think there are other players who are probably a bit more deserving uh, than Super Kev. But no doubt, there's a, what a player he really, really was. Shall we finish off with a game of Simon Grayson's hateful eight, Justin? May as well. Yeah, we've been here for a long time. Let's go. All right then. Hi, Simon Grayson here. Yes, here we are, Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. So I'm going to ask Justin to name eight of a certain subject. All he's got to do is name all eight. So, for example, if I were to say name Steve Bruce's last eight clubs and he would say Villa, that's one down, and then Newcastle, that's another down. But if Justin would say Weymouth, then he'd be out. So all he needs to do is give me all eight answers. Justin, I'm giving you an extra life here, or Simon Grayson's giving you an extra life here, so you can afford to get one wrong. Now, I thought we'd do, or Simon Grayson thought we'd do something a bit different for this one, Justin, since it's the summer. Now, you're a big Star Wars fan, aren't you? Massive. (laughs) Okay, yeah, yeah, massive. I... I'm not. Um, so this all makes very little sense to me, but it's a Star Wars themed question. Can you name for me the eight characters with the most lines in all 11 of the live action Star Wars films? Now, by a line, I mean from the point where they start talking to the point where they stop. And it doesn't have to be English. It's just whichever way they communicate. So, you know, inaudible noises count. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a fun stat about Darth Vader having like five minutes of screen time across all of the films, remarkably low for for being the big villain. But I'm I'm up for this one. This is going to be a good one. I'm not counting his breathing. That doesn't count as a as a <laughs> as a as a line. But here we go then, Justin. Can you name me one of the characters who have the most lines in Star Wars films? Uh, Luke, uh, Luke Skywalker. Yes, Luke Skywalker is fourth with 555 lines. That's one down. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi is seventh with 465 lines. You seem a bit surprised by that one. Yeah, but then I realised that he was a a, force ghost in in episode four and five. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure he did. Yeah, sounds sounds cool. Um, Next one, please. (laughs) Uh, Anakin Skywalker. Yes, Anakin Skywalker or Darth Vader. Spoiler alert. Uh, 624 lines. Uh, he's third he's on third. the list. Yeah, yeah. I was, I'm guessing I, I've not watched. I've watched one Star Wars film. And which one I've have you got, watched? I know this is sidetracking, but it, which one have you it watched? It was the first one. The first one that came out um what's the, what's the uh, word for? Uh, the first step... Uh, the, the original, one of the originals. The, one the, of the, the, literally the first ever Star Wars film. The, A New Hope. Chronologically yeah. is the word I was looking for. So Phantom Menace then. Did you, that... see, did you see Jar Jar Binks or not? No. Okay, you didn't watch Okay, Phantom Menace. Okay, no, Phantom. chronologically, literally the first one. Okay, so A New Hope. Whichever uh, one that you've was. You've watched A New Hope, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right, anyway. What? Was it The New Hope? 
I can't remember. Anyway. Um, three down. <laughs> three down. Um, Five to go. Padme Amidala. She she spoke a hell of a lot in the in the prequels, but now I'm I'm questioning. There's eleven films, right? You're counting. Yes. Hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sidetrack from Padme Amidala on this one. Um. Uh, Number da, 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 da. one has twice as many lines as nearly anyone else. Oh, so I'm C3PO. Said that C3PO. Not three, C3PO. He's sixth with 471 lines. I say he. I don't know what gender he identifies as. Um, <laughs> they. Half right there. You got uh, four left. So R2D2, does he count as lines? Because he just bleep bloops. But he has conversations. He, he has conversations he with characters. So he, he just counts lines. He does. Do you want to say okay. him? Yeah, R two D two. Correct. R two D two is fifth with five hundred and forty nine lines. He had such a foul mouth that they constantly had to bleep him out. Um, <laughs> that means you've got three remaining, Justin. You're missing one, two, and eight. One, two, and eight. Um, the name just popped into my head, and that was completely gone. Um, and that's gonna that's gonna bug the hell out of me. Um, because now I'm going to start to panic and completely forget any character in Star Wars and just mention Star Trek. Um, oh no! Come on, you're such panic. a big fan of Star Wars. I no, thought I this am, would be a walk in the park. Han Solo. That's the other, that's the one I was going to say. Yeah. Yes, Han Solo is top. He had 1,039 lines, which is nearly double uh, second place. So you got two remaining, Justin. Chewbacca. Yep. 666, uh, 660 lines for Chewbacca. Um, I refuse to move on until you do a Chewbacca impression. He's second, by the way. Uh, do a Chewbacca impression, please. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Clip that up. <laughs> That's him laughing, by the way. Uh, I was not expecting that. I thought you were going to go for like the... Oh, God. <coughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Sorry, I've got. I've now developed a sore throat after doing that. You've got one remaining, Justin. Can you figure out who number eight is on this um, list? Uh, I'm just going to have to throw Darth Vader in. Um, no, you've because... already said Darth Vader. Oh, it's Anakin Skywalker. It's Anakin Skywalker. Oh, that's a bit cheeky to combine them both. Um, number eight. Oh, this is always a difficult one because we're getting into into a territory of just complete. Um, complete you've got an extra life, by the way. I have got an extra life. It's true. Uh, well, Princess Leia, I don't, I don't think she would have featured, but actually, she was in three of the uh, crap films that came out. Oh. Princess Leia was not on mm. there, so you've lost your life. I think she's just missed out. I should have written it down, really, but she's just missed out. Um, you've got this is your last chance, Justin. Your last shot. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to think of yeah, big characters all the way through the films who are just sort of yep. That's a good Stay idea. Uh, yeah, Bail Organa. I have literally no Yoda. Idea. Yoda. I know who Yoda is. Yoda is not on there. Uh, who, was no, it? who did you say? Bail Organa. Bail Organa, but I completely forgot there's Emperor Palpatine. Did he play for Sunderland? <laughs> Bail Organa. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Bail Organa, whoever that is, is not on there. The person you were looking for was Finn, who I have literally no idea who that is. Finn is um, John Boyega's character in D23. 
the oh, the new ones. ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They're really you know about that? Mm, they're really forgetful films, if I'm being honest, which is quite quite harsh on John Boyega because he does a good job. But that surprises me because he was only in three. So I was trying to go for longevity. But Did a lot of talking. Are. Did a lot of talking. Yeah, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Simon Grayson Takes for Late, and this has been the Second Tier Podcast. This has been part one of our countdown of the top 20 championship players of all time. We've gone from 20 to 11th. Next Sunday will be our top 10. But before that, on Thursday, you have another news roundup. I keep thinking to myself, you know what, maybe it's all going to calm down soon. But no, it's just the championship and it just keeps rocking along, baby. So we'll talk about all the latest news, including all the latest transfers from the past week. So we'll look forward to seeing you then. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dix. I've been Justin Peach. And a big, big thank you for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.